Hey, Drew Dixon from Love Thy Nerd back with you for another Bible Thump. And what we're going to do this week is we're done with First Peter. So I'm going to jump in uh, just for a, a two or three weeks, I think, two or three weeks on Hebrews 12 and talk about um, what it means to run with endurance. Like why endurance is an important part of following Jesus. Like here's the thing I want to say about following Jesus is that sometimes it's hard. Like, it's not the easiest thing to follow, because if you think about Jesus, here's a few things to acknowledge. Like, he's really amazing. <laughs> like, morally, um, you read the Gospels and you see Jesus, like, always operating out of a, like, posture of love and, and a posture of, of concern for the needs of the people around him. And also, but he's also always operating out of a posture of, like, priority like he's he seems like he's got got his priorities in order and he spends his time intentionally and thoughtfully and like he's living this amazing life of impact and so then I look at my life right and I see a totally different picture like I see all the ways in which I'm just neglecting opportunities or like not even seeing opportunities to live with a posture of love towards my neighbor or um, I'm wasting, gosh, oh, I hate, I hate how much time I end up wasting. Just like scrolling through stupid memes. <laughs> um, some memes are great, don't, don't hear me wrong. But like scrolling through social media um, or just like, ah, just letting my mind wander. Jesus, on the other hand, when we read the gospel, seems to be always living with purpose and focus. Um but also, like, sometimes following Jesus is hard because we live in a culture where um, it's not cool <laughs> to follow Jesus. Jesus isn't in style in some parts of our country and in some, um, yeah, just just environments, like work environments, school, um, all kinds of environments that you inhabit. Like, following Jesus isn't exactly isn't exactly held in high esteem. So um, that was definitely the case with the people that the writer of Hebrews wrote this book to. We don't know who wrote this book, but a lot of people speculate. Some people say it was Paul. Some people say it was a guy named Apollos. Some people say um, it's all all different kinds of people. But here's the thing. Like, we don't know. He doesn't name himself or she doesn't. It could be a, it could be a woman. She doesn't name him herself. Um, They don't name themselves. So we don't know. Um, it was written by someone, and it's a really helpful book, and it's really powerful, and it has a lot to say to us. So here, here's what the writer of, of Hebrews says in chapter 12, starting in verse 1. And by the way, in the previous chapter, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 catalogs all these people of faith that came before us, uh, that came before the writer of Hebrews. Um, and so he talks about people like Abraham and Moses and Joshua and and um, Rahab and all these all these people, Jacob, right? Who uh, David, who believed in the Lord, who had faith, and who's who lived lives of impact, um, and so uh, that's what he has in mind as he as he writes these words that we're going to read in chapter twelve. All right, so chapter twelve, Hebrews chapter twelve, starting in verse one. Therefore, since we also have 
such a large crowd of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us with endurance, let us run the race with endurance uh, that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that is laid before him, uh, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Um, all right, so so here's kind of what the writer of Hebrews envisions. Um, and by the way, uh, well, I'll touch on that in a minute, but he, he envisions all these people of faith that I mentioned before, like David and Abraham, Moses and Rahab, and all these people. Um, he envisions them kind of like basically cheering us on at the end of the race. And this connects with me because... I remember like when I was in middle school, I used to run the mile. That was my, my event, the, the 1600 meter run dash, whatever you want to call it, uh, in middle school. So it's four laps around a track, right? And so like, uh, some people thought it was boring because it's not like a sprint. You can't just like run all out the whole way. Right. And so a lot of times people aren't really paying attention. No one's really cheering until you get to like the last lap or even like the last leg of the last lap. If you've ever run a 5k, you get this, like most of a 5k, which is about three miles, right? Most of a 5k is lonely. Like there's nobody watching. You're out there in the middle of this course, kind of in the middle of nowhere, like or on streets, um, just random streets or whatever. And it's not until you get to the end that you hear people cheering you on. And so that's kind of what the writer of Hebrews is telling us. He's saying, like, you're in the slog of the Christian life. Like, you're living day in, day out. Um, sometimes it's kind of hard. Sometimes you get distracted. Sometimes your focus isn't where it needs to be. Um, you know, you're scrolling through social media. Or maybe you're being pressured at work or at school or whatever to, like, like compromise your faith on, in some way or like leave it behind in some way. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying like, remember all these people that went before, they're actually actively cheering you on. Like they're, it's almost like they're up in heaven or something, although he doesn't use those terms. But it's almost like this idea that they're looking down upon us and saying, come on, you can do it. So sometimes we feel really alone in the Christian faith. And this passage reminds us that we're not, that there's people who went before us that are cheering us on. And by the way, like we're called, to cheer each other on, to lift each other up. So I want to just take this imagery and like draw a few conclusions, a few implications out of it. So just three really quick implications, and there are so many implications we could we could we could look into here. Um, so many things we could say based on these these verses, right? These two short verses. So much we could unpack. So please don't hold my feet to the fire on like hitting every everything that should be brought, drawn out of it. I'm just, I'm just giving you three implications, okay? Don't, don't get annoyed. Don't take this too far. All right, three implications. First, your performance in this race that we call the Christian life, I want to say to you that, that it matters. Like your posture, how you carry yourself in this race. Like, are you focused? Do you realize that there is a finish line on the horizon do you see it? And are you moving towards it? Like, um, I think there's a call here to be deliberate in the decisions we make, the attitudes that we have, the way we seek after and follow Jesus. Um, is there a deliberateness to your pace in this, in this life? Is there a focus? Do you know, do you have a sense of where you're going and what you're doing? And also, like, are you putting in the effort? Like, we're saved 
by grace through faith. And so, so the Bible presents this vision of salvation, of a relationship with God as something that we don't earn, that we don't, we don't put in the time and the effort and then like we get the reward. Um, it's a gift. A relationship with God is available to absolutely anyone and it's absolutely free. It's a gift. We just receive it by faith. But at the same time, the writer of Hebrews here envisions people running this race, living a life for Jesus, putting in some effort, right? Run the race with endurance, laying aside whatever's entangling you. And he mentions sin specifically here. So are there attitudes? Are there thought patterns? Are there um, like thoughts that you have about other people or attitudes that you have about yourself or things that you think you deserve or, or um, just selfish patterns that you need to throw off that are keeping you from living a life of impact for Christ and his kingdom. He says, throw those things off. So put in some time, put in some effort. Um, following Jesus is going to require you to sweat a little bit. Um, are you putting in the effort? I think that's the question that we would be asked here. Yes, we're saved by grace through faith. And yes, it's not by works and it's nothing that we do, but but growing in Christ, living for his kingdom, involves some thought, some deliberate action. And I want to challenge you to think about like what deliberate action might God be calling you to take this week. All right. Um, and oh, by the way, like, yes, salvation is a gift that, and it's the kind, of, but it's the kind of gift that changes things. Like it's, it's a fundamentally transformative gift. Think about it like the best, one of the best examples maybe I can think of is like, think if you were, you grew up, I don't know, I don't know how wealthy your family is, but let's say you grew up in a pretty poor family that like has no money or means to help you go to college and, and you, um, and you want to, you know, and you, because you grew up poor, you want to, you want to make a, a bit of a better life for yourself. And so, you know, that means you have to get a scholarship. Well, imagine you're awarded a full ride to the school of your dreams that's going to position you for a really nice career that will mean financial stability for you, but also probably financial stability for everyone that comes after you. It's going to open up all these opportunities, right? But listen, sometimes you hear that and you go like, yeah, but I still got to think about expenses. How am I going to pay, you know, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to afford lodging? No, I'm talking about like a full ride. Let's say all your expenses, all your food, all your lodging, like everything it's completely covered. Like that kind of opportunity could be, I mean, we could all, we're all, I'm capable of messing up that kind of opportunity, but that kind of opportunity could be a game changer for your life, right? That's the closest example I can give that comes to what the good news about Jesus does for us. It changes the trajectory of our life. And so it should change our posture. It should change our effort. It should change how we carry ourselves in this in this walk. All right. Um, second thing that I want implication out of this passage that I want to mention is that um, there are people, like we said, you're not alone. There are people cheering you on. There's this great cloud of witnesses. Everyone that came before. And by the way, this cloud of witnesses, if you go read about them, it's kind of encouraging because, um, like, there's some really cool people in this cloud of witnesses, but they're all very, very flawed. Like, think about David. 
Um, yes, David was a man after God's own heart. That's what the Bible tells us. And he wrote Psalms and like he trusted the Lord in many ways, but like he also was uh, guilty of adultery and murder. Like, and his sin of adultery and murder like shattered his family. It had massive co- consequences. Um, Abraham was like a man of faith, right? Abraham believed God, the Bible tells us, and God credited it to him as righteousness. And yet this guy, Abraham, lied about his wife, Sarah, being his wife and said, she's my sister because he was afraid of Pharaoh. So in other words, he was basically willing to give his wife over, his wife, his wife over to another man to protect himself. That's gross. Like, to, to put it lightly, that's really gross. Um, so you can go through all these people. Like, they're, they, yes, they're people of faith, but they're also really broken people. And in a way, that's encouraging to me because it says that, like, my brokenness and my issues are not, like, deal breakers with God. It doesn't keep me out. It doesn't kick me out of the kingdom. Um, and yet, these very broken people are people of faith. And they're cheering me on. They want me to do well. They want me to st- take. They want me, and they want you to take steps closer to Jesus. And by the way, we hopefully you have people around you who also are trying to follow Jesus, who are cheering you on too, right? And hopefully you are cheering the people around you on. This is the difference between Christianity and a lot of other worldviews. I think is that we're called to not just worry about ourselves finishing the race and making it in first, but like we want everyone else to win to to come along with us because that's exactly what Jesus did. He set aside the glory that was due him and endured the cross. Hebrews tells us for the joy that lay before him, he endured uh, the shame of the cross. Despising the shame, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. So um, know that you're not alone and live like you're not alone. And the last thing I want to say um this passage clearly makes uh, makes a point about how difficult following Jesus can be. We need to run with endurance because races are hard, especially that last stretch, you know? I remember, um, like, just getting to that last lap, and it's just like, you know, you know in the last lap of that mile race, like, that's when you have to turn it on. And yet that's when you have the least amount in the tank because you've already been running really hard for three mile, for three laps. Uh, or on a 5K, like when you get to the last quarter mile, right? You've already be, been running really hard for almost three miles. Um, now you just got a last stretch to go and you've really got to kick it in. Uh, kick it into gear. And so it's not going to be easy. In fact, um, many things about the Christian life can and will at times be painful. Not always, it's not always painful. But following Jesus will require some sacrifice. It will require us throwing aside some things which would otherwise entangle us and and pursuing Jesus. It's not going to be easy, but it will be good, right? It will be worth it. That's the promise we have, is that just like Jesus, there is this joy, this eternal joy that's set before us. So if we'll keep that in mind, for remember we're not alone, we'll keep in mind that we have this great joy set before us and that, that our performance in this race matters, I think we'll live a greater life of impact for Christ and his kingdom. Make sense? Hope this was encouraging to you on some level. We'll see you again next week.